Really looking forward to the fellowship tonight. And uh, we're thankful that the brothers can join us. And so we have uh, Brother Ray Mulligan joining us from Dublin. Uh, Brother Ken Mooney joining us from Munich. And Brother Reggie Favors joining us from Berlin. Uh, so thank you, brothers, for being with us. And um, maybe uh, I, I don't think we have any housekeeping. So I think we could probably just, uh, just begin. The questions that we uh, have tonight, have you know, they've been submitted uh, through our link. And uh, we're thankful to everyone who submitted the questions. And um, anyway, we just look to the Lord for his speaking to us tonight. So uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Trevor, who has the first question. Okay, yeah, I actually really like this first question because um, even though I am serving full time, I still have the same question. So this is uh, this question, we're gonna direct this uh, to Brother Ken first to start it off. And, and this question is as follows. I'm very busy with my work schedule and when I come home, my family needs attention. I just feel that I honestly don't have a lot of time to get into the truth. Can you share some practical ways that you learn to contact the Lord and get into the truth with your busy life and having a family? And I, I know this is a good question for Ken because uh, I, I know just his background a little bit, being here in Munich with him, and I'm, I'm very eager to hear what he has to say. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm also thankful that the uh, other two brothers who are on the, uh, this time tonight are all, uh, of all experiences working in, in a secular world, and in the church life before they began serving the Lord full time. So I think there's a wealth of experience among the three brothers here to, uh, to be able to share from this. But I think one, I just sort of wanted to start off, and definitely we'll get very practical, but I wanted to first start off with this verse, Ephesians 5, 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Um, everything we do has to have a spiritual underpinning to it. Um, if it's, if we're, we only approach it from a practical standpoint, um, we'll miss the Lord. So we really need to be considering, Lord, how do I redeem the time? And just even before the Lord, seeking the Lord, Lord, redeem the time. Lord, shine, Lord, where I may be. Not redeeming the time. Shimer may be wasting my time, mm. not giving you the time that you need. Um, so that's the first aspect of this: is to really, really seek the Lord. He's the one that redeems the time. He's the one that operates in our heart, so that we will know Him. And when we're starting to drift off, something in our being should shine. Something of the, of the sense of life should bother us that we're maybe wasting some time. Yeah. Now, from a practical standpoint, um, I think Brother Lee has often talked about a scheduled living. 
Yeah. Um, having time with the Lord, we need to schedule it in. Uh, if, if, you, if we don't schedule it in, then there, we have no, no opportunity. Um, if we schedule it in, then we have a good a, a chance, a high probability of having time with the Lord. Um, I know oftentimes I'll go on um, trips with the young people, um, uh, cross-country road trips and things. We'd have a schedule. We'd start off with a schedule. And guaranteed, we never quite hit that schedule. Right. <laughs> if we didn't have a schedule, we'd have no choice. We'd have, we wouldn't have a chance right. uh, of, of getting where we wanted to go, when we wanted to get there. But we start with a schedule. And then you adjust it. We can adjust the schedule as we need. But one key aspect of the schedule is early in the morning. Um, er, in the morning, usually, usually is an uninterrupted time. That's partly why we always say spend time with the Lord in the morning. Once the day gets gone, all kinds of interruptions come in. And you just, you just start bouncing from one thing to another to another. So if you set aside certain amount of time in the morning for prayer, for reading the word, for studying the word, um, just for considering things before the Lord. Um, you have a chance of getting that time in. And of course, you can pick some other times during the day that you may, may be free, perhaps lunchtime. You may be free, free at lunch. Uh, you may have an afternoon break. Um, again, that's an, another opportunity to have some time, but one key aspect is the schedule. If we don't have a schedule, we'll we'll we're just um, being being blown around by the wind. Right. Another, um, and then look for opportunities when uh, when I when I jog. A lot of time, not always, but when I jog, or uh, I'll have a I'll have a, a my, my phone, and I'll be listening to some messages. Uh, I don't always do that. A lot of times I pray when I'm jogging. That's a good time to just talk with the Lord in that time. Amen. Find, find times where you can listen, listen to the word. Um, and also a lot of times a train ride. Uh, for a period of my life, I was going on the train every morning to work. So I have the life studies and I'd be reading on the train. Mm. But we need we just need to look for the these these opportunities, these situations, schedule something in. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll we'll spend some time with the the young people and we'll go through the 168 hours we have in a week. When you go through that time you real you, you realize how much time is available that we waste. Um, and you've got the eight hours a day, um, seven days, that's just 56, 168 hours. There's still 112 left. <laughs> then, uh, so typically you wind up with three or four hours a day of available time that you can, you can use. Mm. Um, so I, I'd suggest Divide, you know, how much time, find out how much time you're spending eating, going to work, sleeping, 
Um, and find, but it's absolutely necessity to find time to, to be with your family. Absolutely right. crucial. At least one night a week. As a minimum, one night a week you'll be sure you'll be spending with your family. But the the key is to, to schedule it in. Lord, I want to redeem the time. And the, 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 where the time really slips away is the internet. Um, you, you start reading one news story, and it zips to another news story, it zips to another news story, all of a sudden, an hour's gone. Right. <laughs> an hour's gone by. And, oh, I, you know. We, need, we do need to consider the news. We need to we understand the world situation to pray. But at the same time, we need to, the Lord, we need the discipline of the Lord in our spirit to be able to, to, to know when to stop um, and to take time with the Lord. Amen. Um, but again, I think the scheduled living, the schedule, uh, is a key element. Um, find times to listen to the word. Um, I've, I've had the Lord really speak to me when I was on a treadmill uh, at, a, at, a, at a health club and listening and I just really got a shiny um, from the Lord. Other times I was just, just jogging, running, and Lord, there was a shiny. So many times the Lord can speak to us in many ways, but we need to, we need to, we need to schedule it in. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> I wish I heard this fellowship 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, I fully agree with what Brother Ken just shared, but I, I, I'm sorry to say that really my experience uh, in this whole area is uh, a lot of wasted time. And uh, this word about redeeming the time is quite a key thing. And so I would I would just encourage all the young people on this uh, on this call, build up your build up your habits now. Uh, the younger you are, where you can build up this idea of a schedule, being disciplined in how you manage your schedule. This is one reason why the training is quite valuable because you do get some equipping or some some training in this regard for how to manage your schedule in a good way. Uh, the best thing is to work out these habits now uh, because it becomes much harder as you go along. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't give you a nice testimony about how victorious I've been in the managing of my time. I wish I could, you know. But uh, what Brother Ken shared was exactly right. And uh, I'd also... Uh, insert here that the question uh, indicated that uh, the brother or sister, uh, whoever asked it, found that when they come home, my family needs attention. Well, uh, they, they, that's a fact of life. You know, your family does need your attention. So what that indicates is, on the one hand, you should take care of your family and, and don't be ashamed of that because uh that right now is that's your commission you know you have a family that you have to take care of uh this is what the lord has measured but at the same time you can still take care of your pursuit of the truth 
you just have to be able to manage your schedule in such a way to accommodate that. I like what Brother Ken mentioned, for example, you can take time at lunch instead of going out with, with the people at work all the time, maybe set aside a, a day out of the week to just get into the word in a personal way. Uh, you know, there are, there are, when you stop and think about it and you really open to the Lord about it, there are many ways in which you can adjust your schedule in, in the way that Brother Ken described. So uh, I would I would just say that much. I uh, but I think the matter of the schedule is key. How you manage it is key because then uh, it, it will influence how you take care of your family, how how you take care of your own Christian walk, and how you take care of your service in the church life. So I'll just say that much. Yeah, I, I appreciate the matter of, of schedule also, and uh, if your time is uh, if your time is limited and your time is restricted and constrained by things that are not under your control, uh, I would just echo that the morning uh, time is something to really have as a uh, as an aim to, to be able to spend, even if it's a small amount of time, to be able to spend at least 10 minutes with the Lord, to have some personal, direct and intimate contact with the Lord, fellowship with the Lord, even in the Word, and uh, that 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 supply is is like a lifeline, and uh, everything else, uh, you know, can can be built onto that. But that's uh, just having that intimate time with the Lord in the morning, and a, a, a touch with the Word in the morning can make a difference in the in your contact with with your family, with your at workplace. Uh, so I just amen. Maybe I'll tell a quick story about schedule because uh, when this happened, it was quite helpful. Uh, you know, everything we've just shared is true. We have to take care of our schedule, but at the same time, we can we can become legal about this, and you can go through some condemnation if you feel like you're failing in this matter of your schedule. We all aspire to have this highly disciplined, uh, well-oiled machine of a schedule. We all want to do that because we realize it's necessary and would be so helpful. But the fact is, many times uh, we just fail, you know. Uh, it might be something like get, getting out of bed in the morning or not spending enough time in the Word, or even then your wife starts to bother you because you haven't been with the kids enough. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that go on uh, in our lives. And, and so it's easy to suffer a kind of condemnation over these things. One time, this, this is years ago, some brothers from Korea came to visit Orange County, California, and they came to visit our locality in Fullerton. And they shared with us the value of early morning revival. And when they, when they said early, they meant early. Uh, you know, it was, it was at an hour that none of us even imagined that we would, you know, get up. I mean, they, they were talking about early morning revival, and they had verses to back it up. 
And they shared and they extolled the virtues of, of having this kind of practice. And so we were there and you could just see, looked around and you could see the saints so slowly sinking in their chairs because we realized, how can we do this? Well, the interesting thing that happened and within a couple of days of that fellowship, we heard that Brother Lee learned of the fellowship. And he cautioned the brothers, even he kind of admonished the brothers not to fellowship with the saints like this. He said, you will kill all the Americans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because he understood that for, for us Americans getting up, the Koreans are able to do it. There's something about their discipline. They're very industrious people. Getting up at 4.30 in the morning uh, is not too much trouble for many of them. But for the average American, 4.35 o'clock in the morning, I think Reggie can do it, but I don't know about the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, it's just, wow. You know, it's tough to do. So anyway, Brother Lee just, you know, his concern was you, it, you apply this kind of standard in a kind of legal way, it will be something that will be hard for us to sustain, hard for us to follow through on. So to me, that's that's a fellowship. Not only it relieved me of the burden of trying to get up at five o'clock in the morning, but at the, at the same time, there was a kind of a principle that he was sharing that we not uh, burden ourselves with these kind of legal requirements. Still, it's as the brother said, it's good to have some time with the Lord in the morning. Amen. I'd like to add one thing, and that is uh, with regard to the matter of the truth, uh, Brother Lee shared something uh, that was encouraging, and he said, the tortoise wins the race. Uh, that, that just means if we just, even though we may not be able to put as much time into it as we would like, if we just are consistent with what we can do, what our, what our environment allows us to do, even though it's small, if we just continue steadily, uh, we, will, we, will, we will gain something of value. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Thank you, brothers. Um, well, we'll just, I think we'll just go on to the next question. And um, this is a, a, it is sort of a little bit of a truth question, but we included it because uh, there's, I think, a lot of experiential application here. And so the question is, um, you know, in Revelation 10.10, 10, it says, uh, and maybe I'll read verse 9 as well. So verse 9 says, this is John, and it says, I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and devour it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And then in verse 10, it says, and I took the little scroll out of the hand of the angel and devoured it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And the question is, can you expand on this sweet to bitter eating experience and what this means in our eating of the scroll? And so maybe I can direct this at least first to to brother Reggie. Hey, Reggie's got this one. 
No, I'm I'm glad we we have a tag team here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I just start, and then the brothers can <clears throat> fill in and, and make up the, the lack of need. So, um, in in uh, in this in this verse, uh, it it's in in uh, Revelation chapter ten, it speaks of there being a little open scroll in the hand of the of the angel, and in the footnote, brother Lee points out that uh, in chapter five, the scroll uh, was in this hand in the hand, but it was it was sealed. Uh, and uh, but now in uh, chapter 10 the scroll has been opened and also it's refers to it this time as a little scroll uh, and what he points out in the footnote is or in the uh, is that the uh, the major part of the scroll has been accomplished by this time and so what remains is just a little portion, a little part. Then uh, in uh, one of the life study messages, he, he gave a little uh, more indication of what his thought was uh, regarding this, which, which was helpful to me. He said, when the apostle John ate the little scroll, he was sweet in his mouth, but bitter in his stomach. Our experience is the same. So what he what he uh, what he develops here, he said, is that the eating of the scroll uh, refers to our taking it in and digesting it, and that's the way we need to receive the 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 revelation, and especially he said the book of Revelation needs to be received in that way. But then he said, uh, so this this eating the scroll uh, refers to uh, seeing the vision. Then he says. It, he said, when we saw the vision, we were happy uh, because the vision was so sweet. Mm. But he said, but after seeing the vision throughout the years, we had a bitter feeling in our experience. And this bitter feeling concerns the poor situation among Christians today. And so it, uh, as, he, as he expounded it, he was referring to the situation among Christians today. But then he said, even among us. Wow. He said, among us who are so close to the Lord's ministry, there, he, then, so the, the remaining part of the little scroll is related to uh, what's there to be completed in, from chapter 10 on to the end of the book. And then he mentioned that this, this little scroll ends up and consummates in the New Jerusalem. And so it points to the building, and it points to the building with transformed materials. And so he's, then he, he shared something there that just was so convicting to me personally. So I, I wasn't looking at you know, others, but at myself. He said, he said, uh, he said, may I say a frank, honest, and loving word? He says, forget about the doctrine and look at yourself. Who and what are you? It matters little whether the doctrine is correct or not. What truly matters is what you are. For years, you've been concerned with doctrine, but has there been any change in you? Are you still the same as you were 25 years ago? Perhaps you've never experienced any transformation in building. So what I realized when I, when I, when I considered this in the light of my own personal experience and realized the lack or the shortage of my matching the vision 
there's a kind of bitterness, a kind of, a kind of regret, uh, even a kind of almost weeping, Lord, uh, I don't want to remain the same. I don't want to just stay the same year after year after year. Knowing, you know, cannot deny that I haven't, that I've seen something, I've eaten something of the scroll, digested something of it, and have, have some amount of vision. But in reality, you know, what am I? Do I match that consummate building? Has there been tr an adequate amount of transformation to build? Maybe the brothers can uh, develop it. Yeah. The vision always um, encourages us, inspires us. Uh, the vision is always sweet and enjoyable, uh, exciting, and uh, but then then the rubber's got to meet the road. And one hand, like Richie said, then when we compare our the vision with our own situation, we really do get get um get kind of um we get troubled uh and get bothered lord well, I, I do not measure up and at the same time the visions worked into us because we, you know, we become transformed material so there needs to be the heat the pressure and the time um the the precious stones are transformed by heat pressure and time and there's no other way. There's no other way. So we see the vision. Vision is high, enjoyable, sweet. But just to stay on that mountaintop, um, we're not getting the transformation. Um, it's, it's in the valley. Uh, it's in the valley. And uh, in the book, The Old Inclusive of Christ, I really appreciate that it's in the valley where the water flows. The, the water flows because it flows down the hill into the valley. So, and of course, um, the, um, the, the stones are transformed the, um, by the water flowing through and depositing. Um, that's how the, the logs become, become the transformed, become a, become a, a rock all of a sudden because the water has flowed through them and deposited of the rich deposits of the minerals. So our Christian life is going to be this way. There's just no other, there's no other way to grow other than we see the vision, we, we enjoy the vision, but then we need to experience the vision. And that's where the bitterness comes in because one we realize we're short, and then in order, to, in order to make up the shortness, there's the heat and the pressure. And we need to understand this will be our constant experience. Wow. Um, we'll experience a certain amount of heat and pressure. And we feel, Lord, I, I can't take any more of this. All of a sudden, we'll get a vision. We'll get a vision, an enjoyable vision that will strengthen us, supply us. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this vision. And then, then we go into experiencing that vision. And then we get into more heat and pressure. And Lord, I just don't measure up again. So kind of like our, our Christian life is a cycle like this. We, we, we see the vision. We eat the, we eat the word, we eat the scroll. Um, but then we have to experience it. Um, seeing it is not experiencing it. Seeing it is the beginning. Yeah. But we need the experience. And, and look at the life Paul lived. Um, wow. He had, there's a lot of, 
a lot of sorrow and pain in his life. And look at any of the disciples um, or any of the uh, men of God who the Lord has used through the ages. Um, they had times of rich enjoyment, but times of, of much of suffering to, to work that, that vision into them. So this is, this is our Christian life. Eating the scroll, it's sweet. Thank the Lord for this. If we had no sweetness, we couldn't endure the bitterness. <laughs> right. So, so thank you, Lord, for the sweetness. Yeah. Bring some bitterness and we get some more sweetness. Amen. <laughs> Keep the sweetness coming. <laughs> Reggie, would you have been able to figure that out without the footnotes there? Not impossible. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just so helped. I'm glad. I'm following uh, both Reggie and, and Ken, and and the more the brothers are fellowshipping, uh, I'm realizing this really is our experience. You know, the vision is sweet, and we know this. You know, we recently we've had a couple of conferences, we had a training, and you see something in the Word. You know, something is revealed to you, and it's just. Your heart is warmed, you're encouraged, you're just thankful that you're a Christian and you're in the church life. Uh, but then you, you, you start to live your life, you know, and there's a kind of bitterness that comes in because we realize that our, our, our real entry into the vision is still short, you know. Yeah. There's still a gap between the vision and our actual living. Yeah. And so that causes a certain type of bitter taste where you might call it disappointment, let's say. But it's so encouraging to see that this is really, it's normal, right? Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, it's normal. Yes, yeah. yeah, right. It's, not, it's yeah. not like there's something wrong with us. Yeah, right. Amen. That's right. <laughs> it's okay to have some bitter taste. Amen. You know? So it's so helpful. And then that note, uh, Reggie read the note. I was like, man, it's right there, man. When we receive the divine revelation by devouring it, it is sweet as we eat it, but it becomes bitter as we digest it, that is, as we experience it. So I'm so, I appreciate the fellowship from the brothers here on this point, and it really is a depiction of our actual experience. Thank the Lord. Amen. Thank the Lord for his word and thank the Lord for the ministry. Right? Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Okay. So I got a, I got a new question and, and we're, you know, uh, we're going to change uh, lanes here a little bit. Um, I'm going to direct this one to brother Ray. And this one has to do with, um, there's so much suffering in the world today and much of it seems unnecessary. Why does God allow this type of thing? What, if anything, can we do about it? I know that we should preach the gospel, but I don't know how what we have to say can be effective in such an environment. People think they have either heard it all before, or they just are willing to listen to you and acknowledge your viewpoint, but not let it speak to you or go any further than that. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if I need to elaborate on this. I, I, I'm interested what Brother Ray has to say. Well, it seems like there's two parts to the question. One is why 
as the question says, why does God allow a certain kind of suffering to take place? And then the second part of the question has to do with what about our preaching the gospel? Is it really, can it be effective? Or is it possible that it would be effective in such an environment? I, to be honest, saints, there's a lot to say here. And I have a lot of feeling about this. And I know both Reggie and Ken have a lot of feeling about this too, because you know we've talked about it. You know, and that is the, the even the current environment in which we all live. Yeah. And then the matter of the gospel. Um, so let me just deal with the first part of the question initially, and that is this, the idea of the suffering. Why does God allow it? Uh, well, we all realize that there's two kingdoms in the universe. We know that God's kingdom is there, uh, and, and he charges to pray in Matthew 6 that his kingdom would not only remain in the heavens, but also be lived out on the earth. The problem is there's another kingdom that's present on the earth. We know that even the Lord describes Satan as the prince of this world. And so the source of the suffering and the suffering, the reason suffering takes place is because there is this other kingdom in which man currently lives uh you know we've got the pandemic we've got all kinds of different types of suffering economic emotional physical suffering that people go through some of it is unimaginable i just met a man this afternoon on the street here in dublin and he told me that his 11-year-old son is in the hospital after being in a car accident, and he's got brain damage. And he asked me, why would God allow that? And, you know, I I mentioned uh, what I just mentioned now, that God also has an enemy. Uh, But how do you comfort people, you know, when they're experiencing some kind of suffering like this? I would say, saints, that what is especially needed among people in this kind of suffering environment, what is especially needed is the gospel. Do not take the lie that somehow the gospel is not appropriate to meet man's need in this situation that somehow we have to conduct ourselves in a different way, Uh, that people will not accept it, people will not receive it. Who are we to say what people will accept? Uh, We shouldn't prejudge people's reaction in that way. I fully recognize, and I think we all recognize, yes, there's a lot of resistance to the gospel. But, you know, don't underestimate the value of speaking the gospel to someone, regardless of how they react. I can share my own testimony. I was raised as a Roman Catholic in New York. And uh, growing up, I learned about Christ, but I never really heard the gospel. And I did not know anyone 
to my knowledge, who had been regenerated, who had ever prayed to receive Christ. Then, in my college years, toward the very end of my college years, I had the opportunity, I was in Florida, and I was with a friend, and we were in a park, and we were talking about the existence of God. And we were actually having this conversation in which we were comparing notes with one another. Do you, do you believe there is a God? Well, yeah, I, I think there's a God. There must be a God. Look, look at the whole universe. There must be a God, you know. And so we were having this kind of conversation. As we were having this conversation, two young people approached us and asked us to join in. And it turned out that they were born-again Christians. I had never met a born-again Christian before. And they asked us what we were talking about, and we said, we're talking about God. And so they asked if they could join us, and they began to share their experience. We spent a couple of hours talking about the Lord and talking about the gospel, but to tell you the truth, I argued with them the whole time. I debated them. I enjoyed the debate. I enjoyed bringing up questions that I thought they wouldn't be able to answer. I tried to pin them down. And you know what? I don't really remember anything they ever said to me. But what I do remember is that I saw something in that young man's face that spoke to me. He had peace. I did not have peace. He had Christ. I did not have Christ. And so his speaking to me operated as a seed of faith in my heart and in my being. And it was about a year later that I met the Lord. I still remember the conversation because in that conversation, he planted faith in my heart because that was the first time I talked to a person, to my knowledge, who was born again. And he spoke well of the Lord. He spoke about his experience. And he spoke as if Christ is real, that he can be experienced, that you can actually have him in your life. And this was the first time I'd heard that. And this was a time in which faith was infused into my heart. Something was put into my heart in that conversation that was not there before. And so, young people, don't underestimate the value of speaking Christ to another human being. Now, as far as that, as far as they know, I was some argumentative hothead from New York. They're all like that in New York, right? That's what the people in Florida would think. Ah, typical New York guy. Well, they never knew, because I never saw them again, they never knew that that conversation changed my life. And so I want to encourage us all not to underestimate the value of speaking Christ to another person. Because that conversation, you may not see the result. We don't always get to know the result. <laughs> it's just the Lord's arrangement. By faith, we speak faith into other human beings. And the Lord can do the rest. Now, one other, one other 
kind of testimony I'd like to share because the questioner asks, you know, how can we present the gospel to people in the midst of such suffering? Uh, they won't be that receptive to it. And the reason I say that people especially need the gospel today is because of an experience we had in New York City in the year 2001. And at that time, my wife and I were there with our kids. I had a job in lower Manhattan. And on Tuesday morning, September 11th, I was on my way into work when we had the experience with the Trade Center being uh, the two airplanes flying into the World Trade Center in lower Manhattan. And I saw with my two own eyes, I saw the, the, I didn't see the planes penetrate the buildings, but I saw the flame and I saw the buildings on fire and I saw them both collapse. And I still am affected by that. Because what happened that day was unimaginable. You know, in January 2020, nobody was going to predict that we would have a worldwide pandemic. Thousands and thousands of people would be killed. Uh, entire countries would be shut down. No one predicted this. Well, in September 2001, no one predicted that two jet airliners would fly into two of the tallest buildings in the whole world. And that after a period of time, both of those buildings would collapse into a pile of rubble. No one predicted that. And at the same time, there was an attack in Washington, D.C. You know, I was, uh, like I say, I, I worked for the New York City Law Department at that time in a building right next to the North Tower of the World Trade Center. When I first started that job, they brought me to the restaurant uh, called Windows of the, of the World on the top of one of the towers. And when I went up there, you might say, well, that might have been quite an experience. Well, it was a little disappointing. I didn't see anything because we were in the clouds. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't have any view. We went up to get, get the view of the city, but there was no view because we were literally in the clouds. That tells you how high those buildings were. And so what, to have those buildings collapse in lower Manhattan was unimaginable. And so in the church in New York City at that time, Tuesday night, we had our prayer meeting and we began to pray in response, in reaction to what had happened. But to tell you the truth, we were as shocked as anyone. And, and especially for me, working right next door, I, I didn't even know if some of my co-workers might have been killed at that time. It took us a few days to sort it all out. And many people had different experiences. And, and so we had this time in which we were trying to absorb what happened. Well, my point, saints, is we then began to consider the matter of the gospel. And my first reaction 
when we started to talk about the gospel was, no, people, people aren't going to want to hear the gospel now because they're going to think you're trying to take advantage of the tragedy. They think, you know, New Yorkers are very uh, suspicious type people. And they'll think, oh, I just thought, they'll think we'll have some kind of motive, some kind of profit motive to, uh, to take advantage of the, of the needy situation to, to sell our goods to them. You know, this was my thought. This is what was going on in my head. But, you know, eventually we just decided, no, we have to, we have to be faithful stewards. And we, the first time we went out was about a week after the event happened. We were on the subway. And there was just about 15 of us, 12, 15 of us, a couple of brothers, a number of sisters. My wife was there with our little five-year-old daughter. We were there on the subway in Manhattan. And I didn't know what we were going to do. How are we going to – what do we say to people? And But then we just began to sing Amazing Grace on a New York City subway. Normally, if you tried that, they would chase you out. But we started to sing Amazing Grace, and you looked around, and the entire subway was subdued. And eventually, a number of people were in tears. And we continued to sing Amazing Grace. We sang Just As I Am and a few of the others. And even people started to thank us for coming. And then we arrived in Lower Manhattan. We went out to one of the parks right near the World Trade Center. Most of the area was, was shut off. We got as close as we could, and we began to give out tracts, and then we began to preach the gospel openly to people. Not one person objected. Not one person argued with us. In fact, when we began to sing, they came closer. They converged on us because they wanted to enter into the spirit, the flavor of what we were doing. And so... From that time, saints, I was thoroughly convinced. And, of course, we, from that time, we, we had about six months of pretty continual gospel activity, going out on the streets of New York, giving out tracts, singing, speaking Christ to the people. And we had a window of opportunity because the people were so shaken by what happened even in a kind of despair over what happened. We realized we have a window, and you could see over a period of time, the window began to narrow yeah. because people wanted to go back to normal life. Have you heard that phrase in the, in the past couple of months where people want to go back to normal? Yeah. We don't know if we're ever going to go back to normal. <laughs> but while it's abnormal, we have an opportunity yeah. to speak Christ to very needy human beings. Amen. And we saw this in New York, saints, and I can see it again today. You know, Reggie and I, we were in Boston together. They had this Boston Marathon bombing that took place when we were there. These guys blew up explosives in the middle of the Boston Marathon. A number of people were killed. Young children were killed. They later killed a, a police officer at MIT. 
And we realized, and, and in fact, Friday, that Friday, they had to shut down the whole city because they were chasing after these guys. Anyhow, I, we could go on with the stories, but at that time we realized the city of Boston was really shaken by what, what took place. And I remember Brother Reggie and I, we talked and we just felt like we need to go out with the gospel. And we went to the finish line of the Boston Marathon. And then we went to Harvard Square. And then we rode the trains, the T there in, in Boston, the, they call it the T. And we would just sing on the, on, the, on the train, going up and down in the city of Boston. So saints, I, I just want to say that there's no such thing as people not needing the gospel. And I would say in times of crisis, and we surely are in a time of crisis, yes, many people will tell you, I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't agree. It's good for you, but it's not good for me. Well, you know what? You don't know what that person's actually going to think that night when they go home. Or maybe three months later, will your fellowship, will your word to them bother them? Will that be a seed of faith that you have planted in their hearts? And these days, saints, I feel we have a particular responsibility, even before the Lord, to speak the gospel to our fellow man. Uh, we don't know what the rest of this year will bring. We don't know what next year will bring. But may we, may we be faithful to the Lord to take care of this matter, to speak well concerning Christ. You know, the word gospel means good news. It's good news. If there was ever a time in human history that people need good news, I would say it's the year 2020. So anyway, I know the brothers, I, I don't want to take too much time. I already did, but I'll stop here. Amen. No, I just want to really support what um, Brother Ray shared. Um, if everybody, if everything is going great, nobody really seeks the Lord because everybody's self-satisfied and happy. My world is going good. My choices are going well. I'm happy. And so, so usually people don't cut, catch the Lord, touch the Lord, receive the Lord, and especially don't seek the Lord in, in good times. But um, just a couple of quick uh, examples. A number of years back, um, there was a major, major earthquake in Taiwan. And a number of saints from the U.S. went to Taiwan yeah. And had just they had an open door. Um, schools opened up and let them come in and preach the gospel in the in the in the schools, in the grade schools. Uh, they were just open to the gospel. Yeah. Um, this would not have happened. Uh, yes, the earthquake was a great suffering, but that great suffering opened up ones yeah. to receive the Lord. Yeah. And you've got the, the the four horses in Revelation, right. war. Famine, death, and the gospel, yeah. and they're all running throughout through history. Yeah. And so, the gospel is preached in the midst of war, famine, and death. Yeah. And uh, just to share one 
example, um, I was on a plane one time with, uh, and I'll, I'll, share the, I'll share my entrance into the plane, just so you get a little bit of an idea here. I had a mystery of human life in my pocket. But walking onto the plane, I said, Lord, I'm not going to preach the gospel today. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that a few times. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I don't know. But, you know I just any want to relax. <laughs> any conversation you have with that begins with the word Lord is a good conversation. Amen. You, know, you can be totally honest with him. And I was more than honest with him that day. So I sat down on the plane, and we were on our way to Detroit, and there was this space between me and the fellow next to me. And I said, I said, well, Lord, there's a space between us. So surely you don't want me to preach the gospel. There's a space between us. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really, I was really <laughs> determined. <laughs> but then as I watched this, the fellow, he, he was, I never met so anybody so fidgety in my life. Ah. Drinking his orange juice, fidgety, fidgety. Finally, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> so I just asked him what was happening. He says, I'm on the way to Detroit to visit my friend who's dying of cancer. And, and I found out this fellow, he, he was the leader of a band. So if you'd met him somewhere else, if you'd ever gone knocked on his door, he would not have been open at all. But right now, in this time of trial, he was open. So I shared the mystery of human life with him. He received the Lord right there on the plane. Wow. And he said, can I have this? I'm going to take this and share this with my friend. So the point is, he was in a, a tough situation, a situation of suffering. But in the situation of suffering, he was open to the Lord. But he was very successful. He was a happy, successful person. But he was facing a situation he didn't have an answer for. Mm -hmm. Success did not prepare him to meet his dying friend who had cancer. But the Lord placed on Wooly. Wow. <laughs> and, Jonah, and Jonah right next to him. <laughs> Wow. He didn't want to speak the gospel. But it wow. was Christ speaking the gospel. Wow. And he received the Lord. So my, my point is wonderful. The Lord brings us into situations that and brings people into situations where they will receive the Lord. Amen. And every word we speak of the Lord, that word will have will bear fruit at some point in time. We don't know what the situation is at that day. But later on, it, it will bear some fruit. Amen. So the suffering is so unfortunate, so so sad. Many of it is, of course, much of it is brought on by a person's own behavior, and, you know, unfortunate behavior. But the Lord even the Lord also uses that uh, to prepare ones to receive. His, his heart is good towards man. He wants man to receive the gospel. Amen. Amen. Right. Yeah, I I just uh, know I know I just echo the brothers, and that uh, God's the Lord sovereignly uses all kinds of environments to prepare people uh, that may not have been open or ready to receive the gospel. Uh, Mary Jo, my wife, she had uh, was it her cousin. My cousin. Yeah, her 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 cousin. She had been burdened. For, she had been burdened for her cousin for a long time uh, with the gospel, but he had he had rejected it. <clears throat> but uh, near 
just uh, last year, uh, he he had he came down with cancer, wow. and uh, Mary Jo just she just had this there was just this prompting within I have to I have to speak to him, and uh, we uh, we we just you know we we didn't know how long he had you know we thought we thought he had a little longer time to live, but anyway there was there was a kind of a feeling of urgency we 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 better we must contact him. And so we we contacted him that night, and uh, it was like after so many years of not uh, of rejecting that night. Well, how did he express it? Yeah, he's he says I think I need one of those coupons. You know, he was <laughs> he was referring to salvation, uh, and he you know he received the Lord that night. But I just I just echo what the brothers, uh, and it's 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 really. You know the enemy would the enemy wants to silence us and and stop us from speaking, but it's our it's really our love it's our love for people to offer them the gospel it's it's the hope it's the hope for them uh, some sometimes we don't we don't know but sometimes the person may be may be uh, due to the stresses the sufferings they may have they may have just lost hope and then right right at that moment you're there. And you know you're you're afraid to speak, but your word brings hope and life to them and and salvation. Amen. You know, uh, sorry to jump in here again on this, but uh, you know, even even when we started in Germany uh, back in 2015-16, Reggie remembers. I mean, we, we we were coming over on these trips because we had all these refugees coming over from the Middle East, and they were experiencing their own kind of crisis. I mean, that was a major crisis yeah. for these people coming from their homeland, being transplanted into Europe, and uh, we realized something was going on, so we began to go into uh, Germany to visit ver the various cities, Frankfurt, Berlin, Dusseldorf, and uh, Stuttgart, and we, we would visit different camps and so forth. And when we first started, you know, even among us, there was some fellowship like, okay, how do we interact with the people? Because we realized, of course, mainly they're Muslim. They're from the Middle East. They're in these kind of refugee camps. And even, even some of the brothers were saying, well, you know, they need friends. You know, we need to we need to form friendships with them. But to be honest with you, saints, I had no use for that. Yeah. Because to me, it was like Peter and John in Acts. What is it? Acts chapter four. And they come upon uh, the blind man outside the temple. And he's he's he needs his sight. He is desperate that his he could gain his sight. And he's looking for alms, but Peter looks at him and he says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. It was, it was a lame man, not a blind man. So to me, it was the same thing. It was like, if I'm going to come here to Germany and visit these camps, what do I have to give to people? My friendship? 
That won't take them very far. Uh, and, you know, of course, there's the aspect of trying to help them with their human needs. But to me, that's something, well, let the government do that. But what I do have, I can give this to you. And that is, I have Jesus Christ, and I can give him to you. And you need him. I don't care if you're Muslim or who you are. You need Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. And so early on in January 2016, we had a gospel meeting in Dusseldorf, man. They were like, we had this gospel meeting. We didn't know what we were doing, but we just knew that all we can do is speak Christ to these people because this is what they need. Yeah. And there were about 50 of them that stood up and prayed with translation. They prayed to receive the Lord. And it was the whole room was filled with the Lord's presence. And so anyway, the point here too is, saints, we have what people need. Amen. Let us not rationalize. Let us not excuse ourselves. Let us not try to justify and say, well, they won't be open. Of course, many of them will not be open. The Europeans are pretty stubborn. They, they have a long history of thinking they know the answers to things. But regardless, they need what we have. Amen. So may we be faithful to the Lord in this regard. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, brothers. Um, we're going to take a little shift now. And uh, I'm going to direct this question <clears throat> to Brother Reggie. And um, I think it's particularly relevant, uh, given the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I think it's, it's something that uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people, even a lot of brothers and sisters, uh, struggle with, especially if you know someone who's been touched by this. Um, so the question is, you know, uh, sometimes I'm scared of dying, especially after hearing that someone I know passed away. What can I do? How can I overcome this fear? And, uh, I'd add to that, you know, especially if you have loved ones, you know, you have a family and you're here, you're existing in the middle of a pandemic, it's a very contagious virus. Uh, on the one hand, you need to function normally within society. On the other hand, you need to be careful. Um, but there's always a kind of anxiety uh, that that's there uh, because of the uncertainty. And so uh, it seems like the enemy can take advantage of this and put thoughts into our mind that you know, I did something that maybe wasn't that wise. So I'm, I could die at any time or my family could die at any time. My wife could die at any time. My kids could get affected. Uh, how, how can we, uh, withstand the enemy when these kinds of scary thoughts come and, uh, how should we respond to, uh, his attacks? Obviously the Lord knows we want to be around to bring him back. Uh, but 
death is something that is still uh, scary and there is an element of uncertainty because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So anyway, I'm <clears throat> just direct that question to you. Amen. Uh, this has been so enjoyable <clears throat> fellowshipping together, uh, responding corporately. So I'll just start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd like to just start in a very simple way. Uh, whenever we have an anxi some anxiety or something that is troubling us, something that's bothering us, uh, in First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, casting all your anxiety on him because it matters to him concerning you. Amen. Well, I just like to just start there, that it really matters to the Lord concerning us. Mm. And, and so uh, we, can, we don't have to hold those anxieties. Uh, the, the next verse after that says, uh, watch your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking someone to devour. And so uh, if, if we just keep those anxious thoughts, they are, they're somehow related to the enemy's devouring activity. Uh, but but uh, as, a, as a kind of an antidote or a, uh, to that kind of situation, we can just cast our anxiety to the Lord. Just tell him, just tell him, Lord, I'm afraid. Uh, Lord, I'm afraid of death. Uh, Lord, release me from, the, from my fear. Release me from my anxiety. Uh, the, what happens is uh, that when you cast, start casting, uh, in the casting, you start to contact the Lord. And in the, in the, in the contacting the Lord, uh, he is our peace. And so the Lord himself becomes peace to us. Uh, there's, a, there's another verse that goes right along with that in Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 6. There it says, in nothing be anxious, uh, but in everything, Amen. by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, mm -hmm. let your request be made known to God. Amen. Uh, so this, this, is a, <clears throat> this is a counterpoise. Uh, it's, it's, like an, it's like an antidote to our, our fear and our anxiety. Uh, so, you know, the enemy doesn't want us to be contacting the Lord, right. but uh, in, in uh, his, his, uh, his darts, if we, if we take every dart and it, use it as a, as, a, as a trigger, then, well, that's my, that's my signal. It's time for me to start casting. Then, then he's gonna lose because uh, that's gonna result in your contacting the Lord you're receiving the fresh supply, the life and light. Uh, there's, a, there's a verse in 2 Peter, it says, uh, we have uh, exceeding precious promises. And so the word of God is full of precious and exceeding promises. Mm. And through, our, through this kind of prayer, through this kind of opening to the Lord, we just... We just uh, cash in on those precious promises, and the Lord, the Lord is there. The Lord is there with a heart, a loving heart, uh, wanting us. He's just waiting for us to come. He's just waiting for us to open, and in the opening, uh, then we we flush out. It's kind of like breathing. Yeah. You exhale. You exhale your anxiety. You exhale your fear. You exhale your doubt. 
And then at the same time, you breathe in, you breathe Amen. in the Lord, you breathe in the Lord himself as the answer, as an antidote. I mean, I, this is so, this is so simple and we all can do it, uh, but it's, it's very effective. I may let the brothers. Reggie, what, as you were sharing, I was thinking, thank the Lord we have discovered the truth of calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Yes. Uh, you know, Man first began to call on the Lord way back in Genesis. Yeah, yeah that's what right. Was it Enosh or Enoch? I always get the two mixed yeah, up. Enosh, yeah. Enosh, yeah. And he's a frail and mortal man. That's right. That's right. And uh, that's re that's the reason why he calls. And and so even in this question, you know, the question is kind of a demonstration of our frailty. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Someone dies, and then we become anxious about death, and, and yeah. we can sympathize with that. But how good it is that we can call on the Lord's name Amen. You know, in the midst of this kind of anxiety. Yeah. And I was reminded, too, that in the Philippians Life Study, Brother Lee says that anxiety is the incarnation of Satan. Wow. Wow. And uh, so the fears, the anxiety, the source of that feeling mm -hmm. is the enemy. Yeah. And it's it helps to realize that. Yes. But it also helps. I, I enjoyed what Brother Reggie was sharing about just opening our heart. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to me, that's why calling on the Lord is like the greatest discovery Amen. in the history of man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like. I mean, Columbus, he didn't discover anything when he discovered America. What about calling on the name of the Lord? Amen. You know, uh, I mean, and it's there in the word. And, and there's a whole line of people in the Old and New Testament that experience this matter of calling on the name of the Lord. Read that footnote in Acts chapter 2, right? Yeah. Where... Even in the early church, the brothers were known by the fact that they called on the Lord. And, of course, they were in an atmosphere, especially in Jerusalem. There was an oppressive, heavy, religious, oppressive atmosphere there because they had already crucified the Lord. They were against Christ. They were surely against the believers. And so they, the believers, if they, if they didn't have calling on the Lord— I dare say they would have been filled with anxiety and fear, wanting to escape. But they were able to call on the Lord's name. And I just feel these days, saints, you know, we're in this difficult, I would say there's an oppressive quality to this environment. You know, we're all shut in. We're limited. Uh, you know, you go out on the street. You're conscious of getting too close to people, things like this. What is all this? This is uh, a kind of stratagem from the enemy to, uh, to wear us down, to oppress people. Mm -hmm. And so, but we can, we can be released yeah. from that kind of fear and oppression by calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus, I need you. Amen. When the fear comes, Amen. call on his name. What, just a tremendous thing. Amen. Amen. There's two verses I want to read here. Hebrews uh, 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children have shared in blood and flesh, he also himself in like manner partook of the same, 
that through death he might destroy him who has the might of death, that is the devil, and might release those who because of fear of death through all their life were held in slavery. Wow. So, so fear of death is a slavery. Yeah. <clears throat> but the Lord, the Lord went through the cross to release us from the fear of death. And of course, in the way to come into that reality is like the brothers of Michigan, calling on the name of the Lord. So if we call on his name, we come into the reality, because the reality of all the scripture comes through calling on his name, through calling and through prayer, the scripture becomes a reality. So the Lord has no intention that we would be afraid of death. But that he, but he died to, to release us from the fear of death. So we need to just take that as a bequest. That the Lord has given that as, us that as a bequest. We need to take it and, and call on the Lord and say, Satan, you must flee. You, you take your fear with you and go back, to, go back to the lake of fire. Amen. Amen. We need to preach to him a little bit. Yes. Amen. 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 Preach to that serpent. Amen. Okay, okay, here we go. This one, um, we are we are uh, moving along here. This is good. Uh, this one's this one's switching uh, horses midstream, which is a uh, term I learned when I lived in Texas. Switching horses midstream. I don't I don't know if Reggie ever picked up on that, and, but um, okay. So this one. Uh, Older brothers always tell us that we shouldn't get married at a young age. I get why they say that, but they always talk like it's a no-go. This is, this is an exact quote. Is it really so bad to get married at age 20? I really need someone. My parents are divorced, and therefore I don't have a family. My family is completely ruined. My parents don't feel and act like parents, and my siblings don't feel like siblings. I can't describe how much I want a wife and a family, someone to love and pursue the Lord with. I, ha I have fellowship with the brothers, and I always enjoy it, but I still don't feel complete. Do I really have to wait until, like, 30 to even consider marriage? That feels like an eternity. Wow, and at this point, we I want to uh, direct this to to Brother Ray, and uh, I'm eager to hear this one. Amen. <laughs> you know, I used to avoid this kind of fellowship uh, until I started serving with Reggie in the Boston training, and we would have fellowship with different saints about the whole uh, the marriage questions. You know. And I, I still touch these things with fear and trembling because I really don't know how to advise or, or anything like that. But to be fair to the questioner, we can offer some fellowship. And that is, firstly, I don't know how old you are. You say, it sounded like maybe you're 20 years old. Uh, Right now, and, and you described this very difficult family environment that you live in, uh, 
But I would encourage you to consider that maybe now you're in a season. You know, the Old Testament Ecclesiastes, it said, to everything there is a season. Okay, so we all pass through certain seasons in our life when certain things are best, certain things are ideal. You know, for example, when I was 15, that was not the time for me to think about marriage. I, ha I was in high school and I had to, or I should have paid more attention to my schooling. You know, when I'm 25, well, you are in a season where marriage, your career, your job, your education, all of these kind of things are definitely part of your consideration because you're in that season. I'm not in that season anymore. I blew past that season a long time ago. <laughs> so my wife and I are here and uh, we, we have our children and we tried to advise them accordingly. But here's the thing. Uh, you have to consider what season you are in, meaning your age, your environment, your character, your, your development in humanly, your development spiritually. And are you at a point in which marriage is realistic? Now, understand what marriage entails. Marriage includes a lifelong commitment to another person through sickness and in health, through one problem or another, you are willing to be faithful to that person for life. And that's because you love her, and that's because you believe that the Lord has brought you together. You have a realization. The Lord has brought you together. This is something out from God. That's what causes you to look into the marriage question. But to consider at the age of 20 that this would be the right season for you to seriously be wanting to get married, you have to, you have to really think about that and pray about that. And I'm not going to tell you that, no, you shouldn't get married at the age of 20. So maybe Ken or Reggie, they might want to say that. And that's okay. And I stand with them. If they want to say, no, you shouldn't be married at the age of 20. I don't see any problem with saying that. But I don't feel the liberty to say that necessarily. However, you have to really seriously evaluate at the age of 20, what is your situation? Are you able to sustain a family? Are you able to take care of your wife? Are you able to take care of children? Do you, are, you, are you kind of established? Now, I, I've talked with a number of brothers that they don't have it all figured out yet. They don't have a high-paying job or any of that. But for them, they're in the season. They're in the right season because they finished school. In some cases, maybe they went through the training. And they're at a point in time in their life, maybe late 20s, early 30s, where now is, is a good time to really begin to consider this. You asked in your question, well, do I have to wait till I'm 30? I would say, no, you don't have to wait till you're 30. No one would say that. 
But you have to consider what is the season? Am I in the right season for this crucial decision? Most often, and this is why you hear the fellowship that you hear, most often 20-year-old brothers and sisters are not quite in the season. Now, that's not black and white. It's not like you cross some line and then suddenly you're in the right season. No, there's a lot of gray here. There's not a particular age that operates as a cutoff. But this is what you have to evaluate. Now, I want to offer one final bit of fellowship to the questioner. And that is, I just wonder whether the season you're in is actually a season for you to cultivate your relationship with the Lord. In other words, that your roots could go deeper into Christ. That you would learn to open your heart to the Lord. You described a very difficult family situation. And it seems that you are looking to marriage to be the solution to that problem. Don't be too quick to look at marriage as the solution. It may ultimately be. But before you go there, you have to open your heart to Christ. Christ is the unique answer. Christ is the unique way for us to meet all of our needs. If you are too quick to resort to marriage as the solution, it can be a disappointing result. So I, I just have the feeling, based on the way the question was presented, that maybe this is your time to, for you to send your roots deeper into Christ to open your heart to the Lord, to get to know him more, to be in the word, to allow him to be your companion. The question indicated you seem to be looking to a spouse for companionship. What about the Lord being your companion? What about the Lord being your spouse? At least for this period of time. You know, he wants to be our husband. We, he wants us to be his bride. And so we need to cultivate that kind of personal relationship with him, where we can have such a personal and intimate and subjective relationship with the Lord, where we allow him to meet our need. So maybe this is your time to develop this kind of relationship with him. Then with that as your foundation, you can fairly consider with him, Lord, how do you feel? Is now the time? What about marriage? Lord, I just open this matter to you. Lord, lead my steps. Guide my way. Lead me to the right person that I should marry. And you consecrate any kind of future marriage to the Lord and let him lead you. Amen. So I'll just finish my response here. Amen. I, I have a real echo in the fellowship, a real, a real, real peace, and uh, this is a shepherding word, uh, a, a caring word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Reggie. You just shepherded me by saying that. <laughs> <laughs>
I never know if I'm gonna get it right or not. <laughs> I was an amen to Ray's comment. We would never tell anybody um, 20 is too early. Um, but there is a principle there that you're really not fully mature at 20. There's yeah. a lot of maturing in your personality um, that goes on in the early 20s. Um, and so the person you are at 20 may not be the person you are at 24 or 25. And so if you marry too early, um, then you may, you know, you, you, you may go through some really, some real changes later in, in during that, that, that rest of that maturing and the marriage that may be more difficult for you. Um, uh, neither will we ever say, wait to 30. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, don't wait that long. But let's, what, what the Lord may be having you wait that long. Uh, That's right. Saying, That's right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but so there's, just consider there's a lot of maturing that goes on in your early 20s. Yeah. And so the choices you make at 20, the, even the type of, spouse or partner you're interested in that you're in your 20 or when you're 20 or 21 you may have a different choice when you're 24 or 25 right just based on your maturity level uh, what you've learned in your life experiences so um and i think like like grace shared just consider where you are uh, in this stage of life um, amen uh, are you ready uh, a lot of times someone in, in, right in this age bracket of 19 or 20 will come down with my wife and I and say, well, I'm thinking about getting married. And our question is, can you support a wife? And the answer almost always is, well, not yet. <laughs> then you're not ready. <laughs> it's very simple. Um, uh, are you ready to have children? Uh, well, maybe not. Then you're not ready. Right. You know, what are you ready for in life? Um, and usually at 20 or 21, you're not quite ready for the challenges of married life. Usually you have a few more years of maturity to go through. That's true. Before you're ready for the challenges of married life and ready to hold down a job um, and be able to care for the children, care for the wife. So, um, just really, really be before the Lord. Uh, and like Ray said, don't don't be using marriage as a way to escape from a difficult situation. Um, you just want to you want it to be the right person, the right time, and the right way. Amen. Right person, the right time, and the right way. And then, then the Lord will bless. Of course, whatever you choose to do, He will bless it. <laughs> Amen. But we want you to have a good experience. Amen. 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 Uh, Brother Reggie, do you want to add anything, or you want us to move on? Uh, I, I think I'm 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 feel good with the brothers what they share. Okay. Okay. So um, at this point, uh, this is this is a good one. I I, I like this one. I, I've had a lot of students ask me this in the past, and. Uh, I myself uh, have similar questions like this, so let's let's go for it. 
I have often heard the brothers say in the fireside chats that the Lord spoke to them in such and such a way. Mm. However, when I took a walk with the Lord, I don't feel that I heard the Lord speaking. In my experience, I had the Lord speaking when I did something wrong. <laughs> then I knew for sure the Lord said no. But that does not happen like all, all the time. I have heard it, I have heard it uh, said that we need to ask the Lord for everything. For example, we need to ask the Lord what clothes I should wear that day. I tried to ask the Lord this, but I don't feel I have an, any answer, so I just end up picking the clothes I want to wear. How do I discern this sense within that this is the sense of life and not my own feeling? How do I know it's really the Lord speaking? Wow. Amen. I, uh, I could add a lot to this, but I think we just we should just go go for it. And I'm I'm giving this to Brother Ken first. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. Uh, you know, this is really uh, really a good question. Yeah. Um, and it really has to do with our walk, our daily walk before the Lord. Um, Amen. And. But we've been in, in Germany, like we've been in this matter of the, the one new man mm -hmm. and our morning revival. And to come into the reality of the one new man, really we need to pray ourselves into God. We need to pray ourselves into the Lord. Amen. And as we pray ourselves into him, um, then we become more clear during the course of our day. But the thing is, I just want to read this couple of verses here in First Kings. I, I hope, I hope that whoever asked, asked this question had a chance to see this past Thursday night on the matter of a God who hides Himself. Uh -huh. um, very, very sweet, very sweet fellowship. Was that um, on the uh, quiet, gentle voice? Yes. Oh, awesome. Um, now, 1 Kings 19.12, let me just get to the verse here. Definitely, I was on 2 Kings instead of 1 Kings. But, um, so verse 11, um, go out and stand upon the mountain before Jehovah. And suddenly Jehovah passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before Jehovah. Jehovah was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Jehovah was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. Jehovah was not in the fire. After the fire, a gentle, quiet voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then a voice came to him. So many times, the Lord speaking is in fact in that gentle, quiet voice. And um, you see, here, you, the, you, the uh, questioner says, how do I discern if the sense inside 
is a sense of life and not my own feeling. And many times the Lord's voice is so subtle, you know, you really wonder, is it me or is it the Lord? Right. But the Lord is training us. <laughs> Just like he trained Elijah there. He was training Elijah. So over time, the Lord trains us to know the still, small voice. Amen. So we don't know it right away. So oftentimes he trains us to beginning with the nose. But then eventually, um, it's really a matter of Romans 8, 6. Um, let me just read this voice here to get it, verse here to get it, get it right. Um, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Amen. And that still small voice is life and peace. And one time I was in the situation making a very major life life decision. And I was fellowshipping with a brother. And uh, he was in, he was very encouraging about a particular direction. And uh, we were fellowshipping and he said, do you have the anointing to do this? And of course, he was he was he was encouraging. He was hoping I did have the anointing to do this. And I said, well, I have the peace. He said, that's the anointing. So I didn't have the strong, but you might say sense of anointing, quote, quote. But I had a peace. And oftentimes the still small voice is the Lord's peace within as we go in a certain direction. Very good. And Romans chapter 12, 2. not be fashioned according to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Amen. It can be proved what the will of God is, that which is good and well-pleasing and perfect. So notice this phrase, the renewing of the mind. Eventually, our mind gets renewed to the point that our, our thinking is the Lord, like the Lord's thinking. So you don't have some... Big, big, big speaking always says, do this or don't do that. Um, in my own experience about you know, what do I wear during the day? Um, uh, I don't, uh, you really, it's the Lord's trained our mind, trained our thinking, trained our consideration that we think like him. And so we're going to go to a certain place. The consideration is, um, yeah, this is probably what I should wear. And the peace will tell you yes or no. And you, someone may say, the Lord spoke to me about this. It may just been they had the peace to do it. So don't think when someone says the Lord spoke to me, there was a strong anointing. It may have just been the peace. The Lord speaking may have just been the peace. So realize, don't, you know, when someone says, the Lord spoke to me to do this, the Lord spoke to me to wear that tie. It may have been you started to pick up a tie that was a little flashy. And... Um, and another tie was a little more subdued. You had the peace to use it. And it was just a matter of peace, life and peace. Amen. And that life and peace um, is the Lord speaking. Um, Paul, at one point in Corinthians, when he's speaking to the Corinthians, said, I don't have 
a word from the Lord, but I, but I have this opinion, and I believe I have the Spirit of the Lord. Right. So eventually, when we say the Lord spoke to me, or I have, the, you know, it, it is sometimes we can be get a little bit too introspective, uh, too much in our mind about the Lord speak to me this way or the Lord speak to me that way. But it's really just yeah. as we go through our daily life, we have a sense of peace. Yeah. And that's the Lord speaking. Yeah. And our mind has been renewed over a period of time. And we think like the Lord thinks. That's his speaking. Yeah. Yeah. But he's training us. He's training us over time to know the still, small voice. Yeah. So sometimes, yes, we will have a strong, a strong sense. Go do this. You need, you need to speak this right now. Sometimes we will have that sense. But that's really more that's more that's more rare. It's much more frequent the still small voice that we just have to be sensitive. We have to, you know, like the like the um, the four living creatures they have to lower their wings to hear the Lord. So sometimes if we're too busy, we miss him. But if we lower our wings, we can hear his speaking. Amen. Very good. Yeah. Reggie, you got something? Um, I, I just like to jump in on, I just join in and add that yeah. was very, that was very good. The Lord, there's a training going on. There's a there's a learning. Yeah. Yeah. We we sing we sing that song. Uh, now we're learning to turn to our spirit. Now we're learning to take Christ's life. And so that this is a this is a wonderful matter in which for us to learn to know the Lord. Yeah. And. Um, one one of the things is uh, it, like Brother Ken says, it, it uh, uh, we uh, don't need to be analyzing that much. Uh, that you know, uh, that's you don't feel so healthy if you're in that kind of introspective uh, situation. But the our life is a you know our life is uh, spontaneous. And there's an automatic and spontaneous aspect to this, the life that we have that's it's flowing in us. In, in 1 John, uh, it refers to the anointing. <clears throat> and the anointing is, is when you have an ointment, and that ointment is in motion. And the motion, the ointment in motion is the anointing. And so the, the, the ointment refers to the spirit, the spirit that is within us. The spirit that is within us is all the time. He's not, he's not dormant. He's, he's very active. And he's flowing. He's moving. He's operating all the time. <clears throat> and so uh, I like, the, I like the, the example of the Apostle Paul in Acts 16 and a way that he experienced the Lord as the, in this, uh, ex, this experience of knowing how the Lord led him there so he uh you know he was just you know in, in act 16 he was in, he was endeavoring to go in a certain direction you know it, it was it was while he was is while he was going about endeavoring in a certain direction it, it says the spirit of jesus did not allow him and you, you already you already told us you experienced the no and that that that's that no is, is that's right um oftentimes <laughs> Oftentimes, that's, that's just what it is. There's like, you're moving in a certain direction, 
But as you're moving in that certain direction, there's something within, deep within, that doesn't go along. Uh, Brother Lee often used the, the uh, experience of going shopping. And there, there you can see that uh, maybe uh, there, he, he gave this testimony of a sister. And she, uh, she, she felt like she had been touched by the Lord uh, to give a certain amount of money. Uh, it may have been like $14, $14 uh, for a certain purpose. Um, but she, she, she argued with the Lord and says, uh, you know, no. Uh, then, then she went to go visit a sister and she found out that there was something on sale today. And so uh, she and the sister, they went, to the, they went to the department store and there was this item. Uh, and, uh, you know, she said, it's normally, you know, this much money, but today it's only $15, you know, something like that. <laughs> so, uh, but as she, was, as she was considering and preparing, uh, deep, deep within, there was, this, there was this registration she had put it down. Um, but she says, but it's on sale, you know, and, and you know, the sale, will be, the sale will be over and I can't get it at this price. So here, you know, it was, there was a, there was a reasoning, you know, there was a, there was a, you know, a, a desire. And then eventually she made the, the choice and she got it. And so <laughs> she bought it. <clears throat> then when she got home, uh, she just didn't have any rest. She just didn't have any peace. You know, but Brother wow. Ken talked about the matter of peace. So it wasn't that she was, you know, she wasn't struggling and agonizing over analyzing, should I do this or not? She was just going about her life and she was, she was, she, she was just doing what she was going to do. Mm. But there wasn't operating. There, there wasn't moving. There wasn't flowing. It just, it was a different direction than what she wanted. And so she, she, she suppressed it. She pushed it down and she won. And, uh. but, uh, but later, later the Lord said, okay, uh, you won. But now, you know, no peace. You know? So, <laughs> um, so the, my, my point is, is that the, 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 the life that we have within us, deep within us, which is the Lord himself as the spirit within us, he's, he's just automatic, spontaneously, and he, he has a way to impress us. There's like a feeling. There's like a sense. And, and, and as Brother Ken shared, we're learning. Many times we think, oh, that's just me. Or, 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 or many times uh, that there's a little feeling, a little urging, but it's not that strong. And we don't want it anyway, so we push it down. And so we, how do we learn? In, the, in that situation, we learn by making a mistake. That, that sister learned. She, she, had the, she had the sense of life. She had the anointing. She had a flowing. But she she rejected it. She didn't pay attention to it. She but but through her mistake, through her through that uh, ignoring it, she later experienced a lack of peace, a lack of rest, a lack of a flowing. All of those things became a learning to her. So you know, surely the next time she would be more keen and more sensitive to pay attention to that sense deep within. Wow. I'm really enjoying this fellowship. The question was excellent question. And then just to listen to the brothers respond has been really, really good. 
one thought occurs to me just to add to the to the mix is you know the questioner is asking about the lord speaking and you know another way in which we really do get the lord speaking is through others through one another you know uh many times of course we need to have that personal time with the lord take a walk open to the lord have a conversation with him but a lot of times you know in the meetings or just in fellowship with one another you can you can get a word from the Lord. You know, you just realize, wow, the Lord just spoke to me in that conversation. I remember one time I migrated, my wife and I and, and our family, we migrated from the West Coast to the East Coast. This is a good number of years ago. And uh, it was a different kind of situation in that locality uh, than what we were used to. And because... I had my opinions and I looked around and I had a lot of questions in my mind. How come they don't do this? How come they don't do that? You know, and so these things were coming to me and I, I was, I, I just had a view that was not so clear, not so, and I would say, you know, not so proper really uh, because I had my opinions about what that church should be doing, you know? Uh, but before I had a chance to really get on a soapbox and say anything, I got with one of the brothers. We went out and had some breakfast. And he shared a portion of the ministry with me, just a paragraph. And it was like he had been reading my mind. <laughs> I hadn't even talked to him yet. I hadn't said anything. But it was like he had been reading my mind, and he shared something that Brother Lee shared with some saints in a, an entirely different situation involving migration and going to another locality and going there and having opinions about that new locality and how the best thing is forget about your opinions. Just learn to fall into the ground. Just learn to blend with the saints and go along with the saints and supply life to the saints. And the more you learn to do this, you will get the blessing, and that place will also get the blessing. But if you go there loaded with your opinions, that is not so helpful. Some kind of ministry along that line. He just shared all this, and I was just like, I even said to a brother, I said, you know, I, I knew the brother fairly well, and I, I said, brother, have you been reading my mind? I, I can't believe this is right on target. This is what I needed to hear. And that, just that one little fellowship kind of adjusted my view, my way of thinking. And as a result, I would say the time we spent there was full of blessing. And so, I, I mean, I can think of instances even with my kids, you know, and I think we all could testify, you know, that you get some word from from saints. It, they don't have to be co-workers or anything like that. Even the smallest little brother or sister, even your your kids and your family, you know, uh, I, I can. Uh, we don't have time, but anyway, the, I'm I'm just glad that the Lord speaks yeah. to us in all kinds of ways. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, brothers, this is the last question. And uh, 
Um, <clears throat> okay. Yeah, we're going to jump to another horse in the middle of the stream. So uh, the question reads in this way, and I'm going to broaden a little bit uh, it a little bit. But um, so, you know, I've been serving for a few years now after graduating from the full-time training. The longer I serve, the further away I feel from the Lord. Every morning, I don't look forward to waking up because I struggle to come to the Lord. I struggle to contact people. I struggle in my service. I feel like I'm stuck here. I know it is hard to serve the Lord in Europe. And this applies whether you are single, whether you are married, whether you have a family, whatever it is, it's not easy. And every day, the enemy is wearing me down in my mind and in my emotions. Many times, I just want to give up and go back home where I came from, where things are quote-unquote easier. But every time I have this thought, I am reminded of the consecration I made to the Lord to give myself to come and serve him in Europe. I have prayed again and again regarding my situation, but it just seems like I don't get any answer from the Lord. Please help. Mm. So I'll direct this initially to Brother Reggie. Amen. <clears throat> so I, <clears throat> I know I need the brothers to help with this question. Uh, so I just, <clears throat> uh, the first thing I wanted to say is, is is that I really appreciate the question uh, and uh, what, is in, what is in my heart is uh, you know, we, all, we all at times go through struggles and go through difficulties. Uh, we, we may go through dry times. We may go through uh, times when we're under, uh, we're being uh, pressed uh, there may be various things that test us and tempt us. Uh, but the thing that's on my heart is that, uh, is, is that no one would be in this kind of situation and not have a channel of supply yeah. uh, to, to shepherd them through. Amen. So uh, the, 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 uh, the thing that I the, the thing that I uh, uh, do not want to see is that anyone would remain in that kind of situation, uh, never uh, never opening to the to those who can who can can provide the supply and the support and the care the shepherding uh, to help bring them out of that kind of situation and. Uh, over a long period of time, uh, the, the the result is not is not so positive, and so uh, for this kind of question, uh, you know, I, I I hope that anyone anyone that is in that kind of situation would please uh, not just stay to yourself and and remain in, in a kind of miserable uh, situation. 
it's not a, it's not a shame to be in that condition or situation. What I'm saying is that to to be in a situation like that and not open to the body, but open to some members who can supply you, that's what that's what hurts us. So, so, uh, so I, I want to just speak about nor something that is that I think is normal is and that is uh it's normal for us to enjoy the lord amen that's 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 something that's our right you know it says blessed are those who wash their robes amen. that they may have right to the tree of right. life amen uh, the tree of life is something that we have as a right and that we should we should be those who normally are in the enjoyment of the lord now that the enjoyment of the Lord is something that's different than situations and circumstances. So there, the environment, if you know, uh, our, our environment is not always uh, something that will make us happy. Our, 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 our environment is not always something, you know, uh, that we have full control over. But, but the, the, first, the first thing I want to say is that we we the normal experience is that we should be able to have a, a flow of life we should be able to have a normal contact with the lord where we are receiving some supply some supply from him and from the word and in the body that we're also receiving and able to render some supply to the body mm -hmm. to me that's normal and if, if when that is when that is not the case then there's the need of shepherding. There's the need of care in the body. And it, it, you know, I, I don't say that it doesn't happen that we, you know, I, I know that uh, the, 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 the enemy, the evil one, Satan, uh, he is always trying to, uh, to, to bring in chaos. And, and right. the, the, the satanic chaos, um, you, know, you know, many times it's, uh, you know, that, that's why the Lord said, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Uh, we, you know, we, we, uh, you know, if, if the evil one had his way, he would damage us all to the extent that, you know, we, we, we would not have a way to exist and to function. So, uh, so, um, so, but uh, the Lord doesn't leave us without a way. The Lord, the Lord never leaves us without a way. Uh, he said, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. So the, the Lord is faithful. He has a provision and he has a supply for any circumstance in which he allows us to be in. But we, we do need to pray and look to the Lord that we would be kept from the evil one and from the tempter. And we wouldn't be put in situations by his mercy beyond what we're able to bear. Yeah. So, uh, but I want to address something here. So uh, some of the points in this matter. Uh, so uh, our, uh, where, where, we, where we are, uh, in, in other words, uh, the person, the brother or the sister says that they are that is uh they're in this kind of situation and that many times they want to go back 
to where it's easier, but they have the reminder of a consecration they made to the Lord yeah. to give themselves for Europe. So what I what I want to say is that is that where uh, wherever the Lord has us, the Lord will be a supply to us. Amen. So if we if we find ourselves in a situation where there's no supply, uh, then we need to bring brought we need to have fellowship. There may be some things that need to be addressed that need to be considered. But I want to turn it over to the brothers. But the the main thing I want to say is that. It's normal to have the supply of life, to be in the fellowship of the body. And if there's anything that's other than that, we, we need to, uh, to get to some members of the body who can supply us. Yeah. Amen. 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 And we very much um, need to supply the members of the body. Um, Amen. If we uh, get off our own, um, that's oftentimes when we have have difficulty. Um, and you know, another aspect of this um, is the Lord is always training us. And if you look at the seeker in the Song of Songs, um, she had times of real enjoyment. Mm. And all of a sudden there were times when, Lord, you're out there skipping on the hills and I'm not there. Um, and so the Lord was wanting something more from the seeker. Um, and uh, there's two books that helped me a lot in this situation. Uh, one is the law of revival. Mm. Another one is God's need and God's goal. Um, and just to read one little portion of the law of revival, um, according to his poem of songs, the seeker does not have only one beginning, one course, and one ending in his pursuit of the Lord. On the contrary, our pursuit of the Lord has many beginnings, many courses, and many endings. There's an initial beginning, followed by a course and an ending. Then there's a pause, which lasts for a period of time. After this pause, there's another beginning in our pursuit, another course, another ending, after which there's another pause. This book has at least six beginnings with six courses and six endings. Each section with its beginning, course, and ending is a song. This book has six songs, and each song has a beginning, a course, and an ending. And really, as, as, as you go through this book, the idea of the law of revival is that we go through these stages, and it's a law that we should be revived. Yeah. And but we would when we have you know, the the seeker reached the plateau. You look at our own. Look at, if you look at your experience, reach reach a reach a plateau. We're so happy. Ah, I've reached I've reached it. Thank the Lord. I'm going to stay here forever. You know, like Peter. Let's let's build three tabernacles. <laughs> <laughs> so we just want to stay there. But the Lord, He wants. He's got different plans. He wants to take us on higher. So eventually, on that plateau, we become dissatisfied. And that's the, that's the sign the Lord is trying to take us on. So we need to interpret that sign properly, not with discouragement and say, oh, I've got a problem, what's wrong with me? Rather, we need to realize this is a sign the Lord wants to take us deeper. Yes. We had no sense that we're short, 
that would be sad. That would be sad. Right. Um, but we have a sense there's a shortage. So that's the Lord saying, you need more of me in this situation. Um, and in this, this book, he, he, he points out, we don't have our, we don't have a straight path. No, our path, we'd like to think our path is straight from the beginning to the end. You know, we just start and we just never have a problem. But even look at Paul's life. Paul, I mean, he had many ups, he had ups and downs. He, uh, he was on his way to Jerusalem. He was in Jerusalem. He got arrested. And all of a sudden, he was in, uh, in prison. Now, that was a real turn of events. Um, and he could have taken that in the wrong way. But the point is, these situations, when we think we're, and I've, I have met, I've had many of them. I think, Lord, um, what's going on? I'll just share one experience. Um, I was on a plane flight on the way, on the way to Pakistan to help the brothers with the conference on the, um, the, the, the one new man. And it was a long night, and I was going through the the uh, the uh, messages and listening to some of the messages, and I, I, I had to be honest with the Lord. Lord, I'm not getting this. Or does something or something here? I'm not getting it. Yeah. What's going on? I mean, Lord, I have to go help deliver these messages, and I'm not getting it. Well, I took a nap. <laughs> a long night. I took a nap. I woke up and listened to the next message. Uh, and on the matter of prayer and praying ourselves into God, and it clicked. So, but the Lord used that cry, crying out to Him. I cried out, "Lord, I'm not getting it." Wow. I was I was desperate. It was a hand of prayer. I was desperate, mm. and I took a nap, which was not wrong. I needed a nap. It's a long night, a long flight. <laughs> but the, Lord, the Lord answered the prayer. My Amen. point is, Lord puts us in these desperate situations, and we cry out to Him. Wow. So, um. And on one hand, it's good that you you remember the matter of the consecration. You know, the basis that we're going on with the Lord is our consecration, but the motive is our love and our love relationship with the Lord. We can't go on, we can't serve him forever without having that love relationship. Amen. So, so we need to be desperate with him, but as Reggie said, we need the members of the body. Right. You know, we need to have others, other, you know, Brothers, sisters, I'm struggling here. I can't seem to break through. I'm missing the Lord. I'm the, the word just is not fresh to me anymore. Just pray with me. Maybe they don't have an answer, but just ask for prayer. Pray with me. We don't have to. We don't have to handle these things by ourselves. Amen. Right. At the same time, we don't need to realize that there's something horribly wrong. The Lord is wanting to bring us on to another stage and another stage. Amen. Um, so. Amen. Amen. I, I'm really glad I'm the caboose here so I can follow the brothers and uh, both Reggie and Ken, their fellowship is very helpful. Uh, I, I'd like to bring out a couple of additional points because this is also, a, it's a big question, you know, and we're members one of another. Mm -hmm. So if one member suffers, we all suffer. Yeah. Yeah. If one member rejoices, we all rejoice. And yeah. so uh, what, has been described in the question, uh, I would say is not unusual and there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, in fact, I, I dare say that 
saints in the U.S. and saints in other parts of the world have also experienced very, very similar things. But no doubt there is something about being in Europe, you know, and I would just like to touch this matter from the standpoint of the spiritual warfare yeah. uh, because we are in Europe and there is an element. I'm not saying we have it tougher than anyone or anything like that, but there is an element of warfare. And one of the stratagems of the devil, and you may have heard this, this came out actually, I believe in the recent training, or at least Brother Ed might've touched it in the uh, Timely Word uh, conference, but this matter of the wearing out tactics of Satan. Yeah. And I would encourage you to read that section in Watchman Nee's ministry where he talks about the wearing out tactics of Satan. And uh, I would say this is very much part of his strategy for us in Europe. And it's also been very much part of his strategy this year in the year 2020. Wearing out tactics, meaning that he will use the environment, he will use all kinds of situations and circumstances to wear us down. Uh, you know, the Bible teaches us that on the one hand, we need to learn to exercise our spirit, but our soul is really our person, our mind, emotion, and will. And so the enemy will attack us in the soul with a view toward wearing us down, uh, bringing down our emotion, weakening our will, uh, confusing our mentality, all with a view of immobilizing us frustrating us, especially in our service, whether we're full-time serving, whether we're, we have a job and we, we want to pursue the Lord, we want to be useful in the church life. The enemy is very invested in not allowing that to happen. And so very much his strategy is wearing out tactics. Yeah. And again, I, I encourage you to read that section of Watchman Nee's ministry. It's very enlightening. But so what to do? You know, uh, we have an enemy and we're in, a, we're in a battleground, you know, especially for those saints who go to countries like the brothers, they're in Germany. So you're dealing with people in that many of whom are, are, are speaking the German language. Uh, I've been to Germany many times and, you know, you can get by with English, but there are these moments where you get a little frustrated if you can't speak the same language, you know. Uh, so I, I just cite that as an example where many of the saints go to different parts of Europe. You have to deal with language. You have to deal with culture. You have to deal with uh, different ways of doing things, unfamiliar territory, unfamiliar ways. And so Yes, it's easy. It's very easy. To, I've got the luxury of being in an English-speaking country. <laughs> and so in, in a certain sense, it's a little bit easier here, you know, to kind of acclimate and adjust. But even here, there's things, you know. And so, yes, for us to come to Europe, to migrate to Europe, to consecrate, to come here, there's a price involved. And then once you're here, we are on a battleground. And uh, 
the enemy has his strategy. So what to do? I would say one thing the brothers have touched on, and I think is crucial, is the matter of our relationship with other members of the body. If we, if we really need to pursue fellowship with one another, and fellowship in a mutual sense, in the, in the way of really being open and genuine with one another. I, if I didn't have some brothers here in Europe, and two of them are right here on this call, if I didn't have the brothers, there's no way for me to continue here. So we need the brothers. We need the saints. The other thing I would encourage, and Reggie kind of touched this a little bit, and that is we're entitled to enjoy the Lord. Yeah. And one concern I have, to be honest, and this is just to open up some feeling, is that I have observed among the saints and even among the serving ones, the level of enjoyment could be higher. Yeah, amen. Now, I don't say that as a criticism. I say that as a observation. Yeah. Now, okay, what does that do? You know, it's easy for me to say, well, saints, we do know through the help of the ministry and in the Word that there is a way for us to really enjoy the Lord. And even these points were covered in the recent training. What about calling on the name of the Lord? What about eating his word, like we heard in the message in Jeremiah? Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Right. And uh, I just wonder if, if the Lord would cause us to go deeper in our so-called life practices. Mm. You know, mm. we may use that terminology, but how much are we actually in the things? How much are we really calling on the Lord? Yeah. When we've reached a point where we're just dry and needy, even kind of desperate, do we just endure it? Do we just try to get through it? Or do we actually turn and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Amen. Uh, and so I, I feel, saints, honestly, that one thing, I'm not sure that we have sufficiently availed ourselves of the Lord's provision for us to enter into the reality of the new covenant. Amen. By standing against ourselves. Right. Standing against our own disposition, Amen. exercising our spirit to contact and enjoy the Lord. We hear the terminology, but how much is it part of our actual experience in our daily life? Amen. So I, I feel there may be some real help to us in the matter Amen. of the life practices. Amen. And I'm not saying this uh, just to teach or admonish, but I honestly feel... You know, it's like you're drowning out in the middle of the lake. Somebody throws you the life preserver. The life preserver is we can call on the name of the Lord. We have the Lord's name. The Lord's name connects us to the person of Christ. But if we don't, if we don't use the life preserver, we, we have a problem. So let us all grab hold of that life preserver.
Amen. Call on his name. Amen. Enjoy the Lord. Even even uh, fan each other's spirit into flame when we, whenever we come together. Whenever Amen. this is serving one's time, some coordination, prayer in your house. Amen. We need to avoid and we need to overcome the passivity, the dormancy that's in our being, you know, Amen. to really exercise. And I would say one final thing. I, I can give you a, a document I have where I've compiled a lot of verses, both in the Old and New Testament, as well as ministry, that talks about how our mouth is key. If you want to really enjoy the Lord, you have to use your mouth. Amen. So maybe I'll just say that much. That's a whole other line. But we need to use our mouth to call on the Lord, to Amen. cry out to him, and to enjoy him. Amen.